Bradley, I was reading the wire cutter from New York Times the other day. Have you ever read the wire cutter? They do uh, product reviews. I've never read the wire cutter. Well, they do. I, I kind of like them. They do uh, fairly good uh, uh, product reviews and comparisons. And they were uh, comparing ice cream makers, Brad, uh, their Ooh. favorite ice cream makers, like anything from a $40 ice cream maker to a $500 ice cream maker. Yeah. And I'll be honest, Brad, Dave Kellett a little bit sat forward in his chair reading this product review. I was like, well, hello. Hello, sailor. Uh, I'm you interested have in what my you have attention. To, you, yeah, I, I find myself reading a little bit more intently than I normally do. So long story short, Brad, I bought myself a $40 ice cream maker, and I want to tell you that it might be the greatest thing I've ever done, question mark. Really? I am so happy making homemade ice cream. It is delightful. It is amazing. I have given myself the gift of joy and probably type 2 diabetes. I've given myself the gift of joy with my ice cream maker. I love it yeah. so much. I'm like looking around the house for like, what other little things can I crumble into my homemade ice cream? Like I'm just oh. looking for crumbles. My wife's like, stop looking for crumbles. I'm like, what do we got in the pantry? I want to crumble things in. <laughs> Leave that bacon alone. <laughs> Put the dog down. What flavors have you created so far? So, so far we've done s'mores flavored ice cream, which came out surprisingly great. Uh, a oh, yeah. really, really good homemade vanilla with a couple mm. of crushed vanilla leaves in it. Did you um, put actual vanilla bean in it? Uh, yeah, well, oh, yeah, sorry, vanilla, vanilla bean. Yep, exactly. And yeah. then, uh, sorry, I, I, mis I mispronounced because the next one was leaf. It was mint leaves. I went over to my mother-in-law's house. She's growing mint. I plucked mint. a bunch of mint off, uh, yeah. uh, chopped and then uh, chopped again, and then sprinkled that into the ice cream. Amazing mint ice cream. And of course, I'm sure your mother-in-law uses that mint for one reason and one reason only and that is to keep the mosquitoes away. That's a good natural mosquito repellent, right? Oh, I thought because she was Cuban, you were gonna say, and that is mojitos. That's the one thing <laughs> that a Cuban would use mint for, which is actually true. She planted that mint. She knows I love mojitos, so she planted that mint for me. Isn't that sweet? Aww, but now I use it in delightful. my ice cream too. So anyway, and then the, the creme de la creme has, so far has been, I made uh, <laughs> Oreo uh, cookies and cream and there's something well, chef's kiss wonderful about a, a freshly wow. made Oreo cookies and cream. So Brad, Back I'm on cloud nine bit. over here. Back up a little bit. The mint, did you use it to make like mint chocolate chip ice cream? No, although I could, I absolutely could. Oh, and you know what, another one that I did real quick. I'm sorry, I just remembered a great one. Yeah. Uh, I made a vanilla ice cream with Nutella rolled in. And <gasps> oh my gosh. That is delightful. Nutella rolled into ice cream. It's so Nutella good. Nutella is surprisingly good. Yes. Yes. So I, uh, I've, I've uh, probably <laughs> not helped my waistline, but that ice cream maker is legit one of the most fun purchases I've ever had. I'm having so oh, much fun wow. with it. That sounds good. It's a fun family activity. Like the whole gang is standing around going like, is it folding yet? Is it folding yet? That kind of thing. It's really fun. <laughs> We're a simple family. Are talking about the ice cream or your belly? <laughs> <laughs> it's, going, it's going right over the belt. Yep, it's folding right over the belt. He's, he's gained another pound. Yep, he's, he's folding that belt into another notch because it looks like he's going to need it. And on that note, I'm going to say hello, everybody. And welcome to Comic Lab, the show about <laughs> making comics. Oh. And making a living from comics, I'm Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the creator of Evil Inc. And I'm his pal Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of Stripped. And this week's Hour of Comics Advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave! Let's talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. We got a big, big show, but a couple things to chat about real quick. Uh, we got to let everybody know that this show is also going out live right now to our VIP members over at Comic Lab Live Gab, and you can join us there at patreon.com slash comic lab at the $10 level. And Bradley J. Oh, yes. And just, just to, to continue your thought, not only can you see those live streams as they're happening every Tuesday morning, but you've got an archive. I think this is our 10th uh, live stream uh, show. You can go back and watch the archive of all the previous shows as well. Uh, they're just there for you to, to, to go through the next time that... Uh, 
you're tired of of flipping through TikTok, you can bring Dave and I up and we'll uh, we'll keep you company. When, for when you tire of Brad's thirst trap videos, you can look at Brad's <laughs> thirst trap comic lab streaming. <laughs> yes, so all right. of the Brad's thirst trap content you're looking for, you, we are now making available to you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And Brad, today's show is brought to us by the good folks over at Wacom at W-A-C-O-M.com. Wacom.com, oh. the makers of the Wacom One. And Bradley, Bradley, we got to talk about your back deck. And I saw that photo of you using your Wacom One on the back deck. I got to tell you, I don't think I'm ever going back. Uh, it, it was really interesting uh, because I had I, we put the back deck up out uh, behind the house and we've been enjoying it. We've had every meal out there since they, uh, they, since they finally got it up shortly after Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we, I've been saying all summer long, you know what? I really ought to take my workstation out there and and work. It, it would be very nice. And I haven't until this weekend. And I realized part of the mental block was I, I, I'm like, I don't want to go through all the work of setting all that stuff up. And part of that, Dave, is I was still thinking about some of those old tablets that we used to have, right? Oh, where, yeah. where they had these big bricks and you'd have to plug all these cords in. And when I finally decided that I was going to try it, I, I went underneath my desk and reminded myself that with the Wacom One, the, the setup is super easy. It's, it's, it's very, very small. It's very uh, compact. Uh, setting this thing up out on the back deck was a snap. Uh, and and I, I, I knew that internally, but I was still kind of holding over from these old tablets. This Wacom One, I had it set up within five minutes out there and I was ready to go. I I saw that photo that you sent along of you on the back deck drawing. And yeah. I, I personally think as a friend, you spent more time with drink preparations than <laughs> setting up that Wacom One. You, you set up the Wacom One in seconds and then it was the coffee, then the mint julep and the water and the, the sarsaparilla. <laughs> <Listen. laughs> I do have my priorities. <laughs> but once I got out there and was working, uh, I, I spent the entire day out there uh, just sitting working on my comic uh, on, on this Wacom one out there. Uh, powerful, professional, portable. I spent the, in fact, uh, like it was really kind of nice because I had a lot of, I had some stuff to do. The kids would come out and say, hang out and talk to me out there. Uh, my wife came out. We ended up well into the night as my little uh, lights came up all around me. I've got these lights hung around the deck. The lights came up. We're out there in the twilight and I'm just oh. finishing up and, and, I can't tell you I, the next day, the Sunday morning, I was out there again. I only had a little bit of stuff to do, but I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm setting up. <laughs> they had rain in the forecast. I was pushing that right, I, I, right as far right up until the raindrop started because I didn't want to come back in because it was I, with this Wacom one. I could I could just work outside and I also realize how freaking loud my neighbors are. I never, <laughs> I never realized how now I sat there. I learned all kinds of stuff, but thanks to the Wacom one, I could get all kinds of work done and had, I had a smile on my face from ear to ear. Well, let me ask you this. So speaking of your deck, because uh, you had sent along that photo and I had not yeah. seen you sort of, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know what the presentational thing of the, of the back deck yet until that yeah. photo, you are the only neighbor with that back deck. And Brad, just in terms of neighbor dynamics, how how oh, much yeah. does that make you king of the neighborhood now that you have well, a back deck and none of the other? Literally other king. It's like you're looking down on your subjects. They walk yes. by and I Hello, give them a little Greg. wave. Hello, Greg. Hello, Suzette. Hello, peasant. Yeah. What did you bring me? Did you bring me anything, peasant? Yes, I'm glad to see you too. Stand back. You're in the presence of greatness. <laughs> now, in, in true dad form, I have to ask you, the zoning... Yeah for that back deck in Philadelphia. Could you have gone further? Could everyone go higher? Can you make a double decker? What's the deck limitations in, in we Philadelphia? We literally went as far as we could go. They do have they, they do have zoning. We could not do a double decker. Uh, at, at a certain point, they say you're technically building on like a second story Adding to your on. house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got you've to do certain things. So we went, we went as far out and as far across as we possibly could. And to be honest with yeah, you know, it, it, we live in the city, you know, our, our deck overlooks kind of like an alley. It's not it's not exactly like being in the Poconos, uh, but uh, it's still gorgeous out there. It's still much cooler than the other side of the house. 
uh, as we talked about a couple episodes ago. And and it's just, it's nice. But yeah, we went as far as we could. And now we've got a carport for our car because we parked the car underneath. And right. it's, it's, uh, it protects it from the snow and the rain and everything else because it's technically a little carport as well. Uh, well, I'm excited. It's been exciting to see the photos uh, come out from the, the deck. And I'm sure everyone in the audience, they've really enjoyed the deck updates and they're so happy that it's being used now. <laughs> well, let's jump into the topic this week, Brad. We want to go uh, kind of a deep dive on Kickstarter because yeah. mine has just wrapped up. And before we talk about anything else, let me just thank any and all of the Comic Lab members who uh, rolled the dice and jumped in on Drive for the first time just based on hearing about it on this podcast. I know a few of you did, and I will tell you, and, and you'll know it's true because the Kickstarter has ended. It is my yeah. one of my favorite things that I've ever done. I'm so proud of it, and I think you're going to like the book. The book is going to look gorgeous. We have we unlocked Brad uh, 19 stretch goals for that Kickstarter. Wow. So we are going to have a, a build- Is that a new high for you? Uh, this Kickstarter was the m- most... I think, yeah, no, it was the most successful that I've ever had. It ended yeah. up at 136,000, uh, which Ooh. was great. Um, and we unlocked cool things like it has both metal foil and spot gloss, a dust jacket, a built-in ribbon bookmark, uh, and papers, um, something like 90 bonus pages that were added to the book. So it's mm-hmm. really going to be, you're, you've jumped in on a really lovely book, and I, I thank you so much. Wonderful. But I wanted to talk uh, some of the details about Kickstarter because coming fresh out of it, it's fun to... Yeah. Um, to, to sort of recap what works, what doesn't work and what we all hate, all of us hate about Kickstarter, um, because, uh, that's very much the thing that happens. So anyway, let's talk about this, Brad. First of all, Kickstarter to me is the most tangible real world evidence-based way to show how impossibly hard it is to reach people, even with a focused message. It is so hard over 30 days to reach everyone that reads you in all the different platforms they read you on and in all the different locations. Right. And you are screaming from the rooftops in your mind for 30 days. Yes. And here's how I know how impossibly hard it is. (laughs) And Brad will know exactly because I forward every single one that I get to him. (laughs) I get a note hours after the podcast has ended. No, the first one, Brad, the first one came in minutes after the podcast ended. Right. Yeah. In fact, you and I had a bet going because I said you, it was going to be within the first 15 minutes and and I was off by just a few minutes because it came in within the first half hour, but yes. just over that 15 minute mark. But it came very rapidly. So here's here is the message and every cartoonist listening will know this. You've just wrapped your Kickstarter and then you get this message. Hey, Dave, I just found out about the Kickstarter. Did I miss it? Is it over? And you want to put your head through a wall because you have been screaming for 30 days in the most pleasant and entertaining ways that you can. You have hated the sound of your own voice, basically. And yet someone comes along and goes, hey, I just heard about this right now. Did I miss it? Is it over? Can I still jump in? I just now heard about it for the first time. And you're like, what? Where have you been? What have I done? wrong where you didn't hear me screaming this on instagram twitter 15 blogs that i run my site underneath the comic and so uh it is so impossibly hard as i was saying the kickstarter is the most evidence-based real world way to show how hard it is not only to reach people but then to motivate them to act on the message that you're sending and uh even though i'm saying this after ostensibly the most successful one i've ever had I yeah. still hate that I only reached a fraction of my readers and only motivated a smaller fraction of those. It's, it, it drives you bonkers when you start to think about it, you know? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll take just a quick sideline here as I do uh, every time this topic comes up and to just point out one way that you can address this is by using backer kit. And we've done shows about that in the past. Sure. I am, I am a, a strong endorser of it. Dave, not so much, but, Having having taken that quick side trip, just to just to check that off the the list to make yes. sure that we acknowledge it. Uh, the thing I want to talk about is what does that mean for us using social media? And and something I really want to get across is that remember you cannot be redundant or repetitive on social media. A sm- only a small percentage of the people that follow you are getting any one message that you're putting out. 
Uh, and here's Dave, who put out messages consistently for 30 days. Boom, boom, boom. Different times, different approaches, uh, different platforms. Mm-hmm. And and when you take all of that into account, and then remember something that we told you a long time ago, that somebody has to hear something on average seven times before they are moved to action. Right. Uh, when, you, when you're getting such a low hit rate on any one of your uh, readers, uh, you cannot be repetitive. And, no. and then they've got to hear that uh, six more times. You, you, you played the odds and you lucked out and you got through to them once. Now you got to do that six more times. And, and as the show goes on, we're going to talk about uh, Dave's strategy for uh, trying to cover as much of his audience as possible. But the first thing we need to point out is that on social media, if you think that you're just mentioning it like once or twice and not only a Kickstarter, anything that you're talking about, anything that you're doing. Uh, I'm not an advocate of repeating the same exact post. Uh, You've got to find different things, as Dave did, different ways to talk about it. Dave had stretch goals that were just for fun. Uh, Why? Well, first of all, uh, to engender a little bit of uh, community building and, and to do something fun, but also some of those just for fun stretch goals Dave did so he'd have a different reason to talk about his Kickstarter, right? right? Now he can talk, instead of saying, hey, buy this book, he can say, look at this fun thing we did over on my Kickstarter, right? Right. Right. So 30 days, you cannot be repetitive. It's impossible for those of you who think, oh, people are tired of hearing my voice. Dave was doing this for 30 days uh, to to the extent of, I would say, a master's class in promoting a Kickstarter. And the 15 minutes after it closes, somebody never heard about it. Well, and let me uh, maybe it's better to to actually walk people through all the different places that I talk about my Kickstarter. And as I go down this list, I want you to know each one has its own kind of posting requirements in terms of image sizes, amount of images, types of image. Each one has its own kind of user base um, uh, approachability metrics uh, matrix. So what I mean by that is the links are different. The way you present it is different. Um, So all of that is to say it takes a lot of time to post on Patreon versus your blog versus MailChimp versus Twitter versus Instagram. Each one has sometimes its own kind of presentational style in order to put Mm -hmm. your best foot forward. But anyway, this is the list that I would go down every day during the Kickstarter (laughs) and see, okay, which one did I just post on? So I'll skip that for the day and which one Mm -hmm. needs a post and I'll add to that one. So I have three Patreons, Sheldon Comics, Drive and Comic Lab, right? Those got, aside from Comic Lab, uh, those got multiple posts. Um, The Discord for Comic Lab, my website blogs, I have one for Sheldon, I have one for Drive. My Kickstarters, my past Kickstarters, which were surprisingly the most impactful way I could post. I had my Pugs book, my Anatomy of Animals Kickstarter, my Drive One Kickstarter, my Pop Culture Kickstarter, my Stripped One Kickstarter, my Stripped Two Kickstarter, my Sheldon Books Nine and Ten Kickstarter, my Drive Two Kickstarter, my Anatomy of Animals Authors Anatomy of Authors Kickstarter. I had Twitter for Comic Lab, Twitter for Dave Kellett, Twitter for a Stripped Film. I have my Instagram on the back panel of my comics uh, for my stories, for the occasionally pure uh, promo post. I have my bio on Twitter and Instagram. I have underneath the comic itself for Sheldon, underneath the comic itself for Drive. Uh, and uh, there's a few more that aren't even on this list, but you get the yeah. idea that it is a it is a job for 30 days yes. to promote this thing. And it is there is a lot of channels that I have to get to and all of which all of which I felt ineffective on the whole time. I'm like, (laughs) you feel like you're screaming into the void, right? You don't feel like it. And and even when you're feeling effective, you also have to fight this weird sort of not uh, uh, imposter syndrome, but self-hatred that like all I'm doing is talking about my book or all I'm doing is talking about my Kickstarter. And that's natural because we want to, as Brad would normally say, balance out our social media of sharing cultivating but if you've been doing your job right you've basically earned the goodwill in order to talk about the kickstarter for 30 days you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so uh people like well dave doesn't do this all the time it's just during his kickstarter uh anyway all that to say it is a lot of work there's a lot of locations it's a lot of image preparation it's a lot of writing it's a lot of um modifying writing for different sources and different outlets uh and then at the end of all of it brad you come to look at all your kickstarter links uh that came in uh and who backed 
and you find that uh, Instagram is next to useless. I remain <laughs> vigilant that Instagram is next to useless in driving anyone to do anything. Well, we're going to, well, I've actually, I actually want us to talk about that a little bit later in the show, but that is something that I, 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 I agree with you a hundred percent on. Uh, one thing I, that, that is fascinating to me is not only like, like something you said, not only do each of those have different image requirements, but each of those platforms and outreaches that you just mentioned have different psychologies behind them. In other yes. words, yeah. you're going to speak to a, a person who backed stripped a lot different than you're going to talk to a person who backed uh, Sheldon. And uh, you even did a couple of uh, outreaches beyond that. Your tone, your wording, your targeted messaging is different for every one of those, right? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you put on your marketing hat and you think like, what would convince someone who backstripped, yeah. which is a documentary about comic strips, to want to try out the director of strips, sci-fi com comedic uh, graphic novel. Yeah. That's not an immediate leap for that person, right? And so you try right. to say, what's the best way? What's the best way to angle this? What's the best way to write this? What's the best tone to use? And you do your best. And, and thankfully you, you rope in a few here and there. Um, I will say, Past Kickstarters, I think I mentioned this obliquely, Pax Kickstarters yeah. were the most effective outreach to new backers for the current campaign. So really? anytime I uh, messaged on the Anatomy of Animals Kickstarter or the Drive One right. Kickstarter or the Stripped Kickstarter, uh, you know, you sort of do an update on those old ones saying, yeah. hey, basically I have a new Kickstarter. Here it is. Aren't you interested? And yeah. uh, that was because I think they're native to the platform. They know what Kickstarter yeah. is. They know that you fulfilled and lived up to your promises in right. the past. That one, underline that one. You fulfilled it. You lived up to your obligation. You can be trusted. Yes. And so um, that one was immediate. Uh, and then there's other things that uh, that uh, were all helpful. The blogs, the Twitter posts. The, uh, it, it is fascinating to me. Uh, Instagram was so useless. I, 40, I don't know what, what I have now, 42, 46,000 people on Instagram. That's a yeah. lot of people. The way, no matter how you shake it, that's a lot of people. Brad, if you had to guess how many people came from Instagram in a way that I could absolutely track, how many people came from Instagram to my Kickstarter and back to the Kickstarter? How many? Well, I know at least one came because we talked now, keep about in mind, that early. Keep in mind the number, Brad. 46,000 people on 46, Instagram. How many do you think I were able to move off that I'm gonna platform? Say, I'm going to say you doubled that number. You had two people come over. I had two people out of 46,000. Unbelievable. <laughs> two <laughs> That's people. amazing. Instagram, if you threw it off a cliff, it would help you more than by than than bringing it along with you. Instagram is so useless. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, keep going. So let's let's talk about that real quick. We'll take a, a real quick side uh venture over yes. here cuz it it we did get a question uh from Raj Solanki who said, "I was wondering if you saw the recent announcement by Instagram and what your thoughts were regarding this shift. Will it change how each of you approach Instagram? So Instagram recently, and this is about a month back because we're we're way ahead in our taping, but uh, they said we're going to do more video. They they announced a whole lot of changes. Uh, so so what would your answer to that be? What would, what how is this changing how you do Instagram? Well, I <laughs> I don't know why my immediate reaction is to laugh. I yeah. I don't know other than to admit that it's ego keeping me on Instagram. Yeah. I, I've said this in a past show. Having 46, 42, whatever it is, thousand people on Instagram, I have proven to myself that I cannot yes. make any tangible results come from Instagram. Uh, right. I, the, the two backers uh, that I got to join on my Kickstarter, I don't know, hundred bucks worth of people out of how much effort have I put into Instagram? Yes. Uh, yes. How many people have joined my Patreon from Instagram? Remarkably few. How many people, the one thing, and Beth is always good to remind me about this is that for whatever reason, whenever I do a comics convention and a comic con, and I mention it on Instagram, Beth is good to remind me. I do have a lot of people coming up physically. Hey, I follow you on Instagram. I'm so happy to see you here. Hey, I'd yeah. love to get a book. That's been the one point where I go, nah, maybe Instagram is worth it. 
But yeah. everything else, okay, so anyway, as far as what I would change, it would change nothing at all. Even though uh, uh, <laughs> I wanted to work and my ego keeps me there because I like having 40 whatever, but it doesn't, it doesn't give me, yeah. doesn't give me jack squat. What about you, Brad? Would it, how Dave will it change Kelly, things for you? Dave Kellett, that's the correct answer. It changes nothing. Instagram factors into my uh, uh, business plan. And from the sounds of it, it's I, I bet you you're going to sign off on 90% of this. It, it Instagram is not a factor in my business. It's not a factor in my outreach. It's not a factor in my success. Yeah. Uh, the only thing, in fact, I recently... Uh, and, and yes, I'm going to bring it back to TikTok. <laughs> Recently, I've been putting up a lot of my uh, TikTok videos on Twitter and Instagram because they they get such traction on TikTok. And I'm like, well, I'm going to put them up. I, I, I actually sat there with my finger on the button uh, to put a TikTok video up on Instagram. And I literally was like, it is not worth my time to make my finger go from here to here. This is not worth the effort of what I'm doing. This is worthless effort. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to push the button. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to mirror on Instagram anymore because it is so worthless an activity. So the, the answer, Raj, how does the Instagram announcement change? Nothing. Changes nothing. Instagram is a 0% uh, factor in my business and a 90% I bet you Dave's going to go along with this. But I got to tell you, Dave, as long as we're on our little tangent here, I finally did it. I finally did the experiment that I've been scared to do on TikTok. And that is do a direct outreach to my audience oh, yeah. and say, yeah. I've got a, I've got a special offer uh, for TikTok uh, audience members. And then, uh, you know, basically I can, I could see because this was just set up for them. Uh, how many people went and uh, responded to the call to action. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what I did, and, and for those of you who are on the live stream, you can see it right over my shoulder. I got a green screen. All right. I started oh, I putting, oh, 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 fancy. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Yes. We are. I am telling you, I am. So I, now I you can put yourself serious. in, you can put yourself in the Bahamas when you're wearing your mankini for, uh, for, uh, your, your TikToks. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. And I, when I, when I make those nipple clamps go, uh, alternate directions, spinning, it, it looks more in place. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Or, or Dave, uh, instead of the Bahamas, I can put up a little infographic behind me saying oh, TikTok yes. exclusive for the web comics handbook ebook. Here's how. You, and so basically what I did here was my experiment. I did a live event like I'm doing every uh, Friday at four o'clock Eastern. And I, as I'm talking, I'm in front of the green screen and it's just got exclusive offer for TikTok only. Here's how you get it. Here's what's in it. It was a discount on the ebook version of the webcomics handbook. And I got a, a now I had, I think you have to understand how uh, TikTok works. I had 300 people that had seen the live event. Uh, I'd say probably 200 of them uh, saw it and then just kept scrolling. Yeah, you know, like they checked in just long enough to see my face and, and said, ah, no. Right, right, <laughs> and right. And kept scrolling. So right. I had I had maybe a couple dozen people who were actually engaged in the in the live event. Out of those, four people bought the book. Not huge numbers, but by the way, uh, four people with one live event uh, uh, on TikTok that I've been working on for two weeks uh, and and only 11,000 backers, still better numbers <laughs> than what you were getting from Instagram, right? On one yeah. live event. But, but, but what it showed me is there is something to this. In other words, uh, I, that was way more than I thought I was ever going to get was that four. Uh, is, is it... Is it turn the lights out and and start a party uh, at numbers? No, but it, it it showed me that there is activity there. I can get somebody to go to that link in the bio and uh, and and go over and buy something. So uh, then, uh, what I've been doing is Mondays I'll record like three or four videos and then parse them out through the the rest of the week. What I'm doing now is I'm taking that same backdrop where it has the webcomics handbook special for TikTok viewers. And as I'm talking about uh, uh, maybe a video about the importance of drawing large and reducing down to improve your lines, the whole time I'm talking, that thing is going to be up behind me. 
And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to see how that outreach works. Uh, but all of which to say, I finally pulled the trigger and uh, tested out TikTok. And although it wasn't a turn out the lights, this is a, this is an amazing thing. Uh, I got a heartbeat and I'm going to, I'm going to keep following it up to see uh, just where that'll go. Now, let me counter, let me counter uh, that story by saying, how much time does it take you to go exhibit at a Comic-Con? Oh my gosh. Here's where, here's where I'm going with a thought, right? Uh, so it, it, it burns up sorry, three solid days, right? Uh, to go to a Comic-Con. Um, and then you end up selling, uh, I would imagine, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of books. And uh, Closer to dozens, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, maybe let's I should... Be, let's be honest with each other here. It's closer I, to dozens. Maybe I should make it not so Brad Geiger focused on Comic-Cons. I, <laughs> uh, I always forget that you don't like Comic-Cons. Um, what I'm getting at here is, is the return on investment for yeah. the weeks that you've spent thinking about planning, equipment bought... Uh, all this stuff to sell four books. And it's still, it's not your core. Uh, you're not creating comics that you can use again and again. However, they, they go into the archive for TikTok. I just, I still remain highly suspicious of these platforms. And I'm going, really, it's going to take someone physically showing me, no, look, I moved 400 books because of my Instagram, or I moved, right. uh, I have gotten 300 uh, Patreon backers because of my TikTok uh, it just seems really hard to get people off certain video platforms, video focus platforms, yeah, uh, and backing you. And you can say to yourself, yeah, but I'm building an audience, I'm building a fan base, I'm building a reader base, all of which is lovely. No argument. As an artist, we all love to be read. That's a wonderful thing. But Machiavellian style, those people are useless to you if you can never sell them a book, if you can never right. get them to join your Patreon, if you can never get them to a Kickstarter. They are useless to you. Um, in a sort of mafioso way, they're dead to you if they're if they can't be moved <laughs> to get to, to yes. do anything. Like so, it's lovely from a pure artist standpoint. I have readers. I have tens of thousands of readers on Instagram. How lovely! I've built a quote unquote readership. They're useless yeah. to me if I can't move them to do anything. You know what I mean? So yeah. better uh, as Matt Inman has found on the oatmeal in the last couple of weeks, move them to an email list because yes. that's the best way to to be able to activate that readership in a way that both cultivates the readership and audience and also moves them to support that creation every once in a while. Sorry, Brad. I Absolutely. Kind of, um, it's it's the conversation that uh, we've talked about in the past. Do yes. you have, uh, when you're building an audience on a platform, are those active readers or passive readers? Because what right. you want are active readers, not, you know, not people who just see it and scroll by. You want to build an active user base. Having right. said everything that I just said, I'll be completely honest with you. If I wasn't doing the webcomics handbook, if I wasn't doing comic lab, if I wasn't doing webcomics.com, I don't think I'd be half as excited about TikTok as I am right now, right? If yeah. I was just talking comics, I don't know that I'd have this level of excitement. Uh, but but since I have this whole uh, part of me that does this kind of outreach, I, I see it's got a usefulness for that sort of thing. But just comics, I don't know. I, 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 I That's another test that is in the offing that I'm waiting to uh, try out. But I don't know that I'd be as excited. Yeah. And I, so uh, this will be my last thing about uh, diatribing about TikTok and Instagram. Um, yeah. But I just want to put this in terms. Imagine somebody out there, right? I have 46,000 uh, quote unquote readers on Instagram. That is a full, very large stadium, a full, very large yes. stadium, right? Yes. Like, think about that. You're at a stadium. You're watching an amazing game. 46,000 people. Now mm -hmm. imagine you snap your fingers and there's two people left in that stadium to go over to my Kickstarter, right? Right. That is a broken system. That does not yeah. that does not work for a cartoonist. This is the same problem, Brad, we have when we see a cartoonist that has two million followers on Instagram, yeah. but their Patreon yeah. has 250 people. Oh. That is a broken system. That is not and you working see it for that all cartoonist. The time. You see it all the time, and it's broken. It does not work for cartoonists. And we have to yeah. be honest about that, that that is not yeah. building a career. It's building a quote-unquote quote readership that's very passive that ain't doing shit for you as a as an artist right. and so that's right. not working there's a reason why the smarter ones are going well, how do i get off of this because it's not i'm running on a treadmill that only benefits the social media company it doesn't yes. benefit me hey if you're listening while you work take a minute to stand and stretch 
And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody, let's talk comics. Well, Brad, just by one comparison, I want to talk about yeah. uh, Carl Kershaw taught me about how in this Kickstarter, I've never previously done this. You can create custom trackable URL links within Kickstarter that'll, yeah. that'll come back to your Kickstarter and give you data on who and where and what was uh, the most effective. So certain email campaigns, certain friends that you might ask to tweet about it, um, certain locations where you're tweeting, you can have it trackable to Instagram, to Twitter, uh, to Patreon. Yeah, go ahead, jump in. So in each of those cases, you create a separate URL in Kickstarter. And then for that platform or for that outreach, you just use that URL. And then at the end, you've got a whole bunch of uh, statistics and data that you can go from uh, to help make for uh, future decisions. Is that exactly. what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. And and for whatever reason uh, that is beyond me, um, I know because I, I did it specifically that I sent 500 or so backers from my Patreon to my drive Kickstarter for yeah. whatever reason that I don't quite understand. Kickstarter didn't track those as being from Patreon. It just said unknown, you know, source or whatever it was, it was what it came up on the charts. Yeah. So then I started to use a specific one that I created that was, uh, the name was listed as Patreon and it was a very specific URL. Then it got more detailed. Yeah. Anyway, Carl Kershaw taught me this. And one thing, I, uh, just for comparison, Carl Kershaw, I, he said, go ahead, create one with my name. Here's how you do it. And I'll use it, send it to me. I'll use it on on my uh, uh, outreach about your Kickstarter. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. nice of you, Carl. Thank you. Here's here's the URL. Four people. Carl Kershaw brought in four people compared to Instagrams too. <laughs> Carl Kershaw, just another cartoonist. Another four people. That's I'm going to die on this hill how useless Instagram is. Four people <laughs> Carl Kershaw brought in. So Carl, first of all, thank you. That was kind of you. Uh, second of all, it's worth noting that Carl, uh, word of mouth is incredibly powerful. Uh, that always yeah. has been the case and is, will ever be true. Um, yeah. that Carl was a trusted source. Um, and said, hey, if you liked my work, you might like Dave's work. Uh, and uh, four people jumped in on it from oh, one mention, one mention versus me uh, going on Instagram for 30 days. Anyway, anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm, that's enough of me on Instagram. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about uh, some of the data driven uh, decisions that you've made uh, in terms of this Kickstarter, uh, starting with this. Uh, how did how did drive uh, four stack up against drive three? In other words, you were showing me your graph uh, that that went upwards. How yes. did drive four stack up? Well, thank you for that question. Uh, drive three. Sorry, it's drive three and drive two uh, was the numbers. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Because four is what you're doing right now. Four is the, no, uh, four on, will on, be the next on, four will be the next one in about two years. Yeah, but that's what's going up on the drive site. Oh, yes, right? yes, yes, uh, that's yes. Where, yeah. That's where my head is yeah, at. Yeah, because we've sorry. started Act 4. Yeah, no, no worries. Yeah. Um, so Act 3 uh, uh, did about 20,000 better than Act 2. Um, and a large, it's funny because I showed you that chart. And yeah. between days 3 and 30, it was virtually the same as um, Act 2. But what I did better on this Kickstarter was I just jumped out of the gate much faster using right. Patreon with a little with a little bonus thing. And so we got to, I don't know, 45,000 day two, something like 70,000 day three, something like that. And then yeah. it was virtually the same rate of growth across the next 27 days, almost identical as um, Drive Act 2. I just find that fascinating, just that it's yeah. really worth it to jump out of the gate on a Kickstarter as fast as you can for a whole bunch of algorithmic reasons. Um, yeah. But uh, it is worth noting that even though this did 136,000, a lot of people think like, oh, Dave's going to go buy a solid gold car. Well, right. let's look at this from a couple different ways. One is expenses. One is the fact that I can only put out one of these books every two and a half years. 
So yeah. it's not like this is an annualized form of income. This is a, mm -hmm. a big go once every blue moon. So expenses wise, um, I, I don't, unfortunately, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I should, but I, I, I know them enough from memory that I, because I've been getting the quotes. So uh, shipping, uh, $17,000 to ship out these books uh, yeah. is what it's going to be. And that's not a joke. That's 17. Now, listen, that's postal. That's just postal. That doesn't even include the boxes. I haven't yet bought all the boxes to ship them all, <laughs> all the tape. Yeah. That will end up by, based on past purchases, that will end up being about a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars worth of cardboard and tape and all that sort of stuff that I have to buy, right? So let's just say eighteen thousand dollars for shipping. Then the cost to produce the books themselves is going to be the numbers aren't finalized because we're we're forecasting some stuff, but it's going to be somewhere between eighteen and twenty one thousand dollars to produce the books. Yeah. Um, that's uh, <laughs> so we're now immediately uh, down below a hundred thousand, I think, in terms of yeah uh, of the income in terms of after expenses. Uh, there was a magnet set that was also included in this Kickstarter. That's going to be another five grand. Um, there's various printings of of uh, uh, prints and also fold out ship blueprints. That's going to be I I don't I don't remember those numbers offhand, but I, I roughly going to be about fifteen hundred two thousand dollars. Um, the, the cost to make the video for the, um, cause I always do a really good video and it always pays off yeah. in ways that are, it, it pays for itself. Um, uh, the video was about 2000 and that was largely underpriced cause I have two Hollywood professionals that help me as buddies and should charge me way more and they do not. And so it was only two grand. Um, but it comes out, it, it makes a big difference in my campaign. Those, but still those, that, that I, I never thought about that until you mentioned it, 2000 just for that video. For the video, yeah. Oh, wait, hold wow. on. Beth just texted me the numbers. Oh, here we go. There she is. All right, is. Uh, uh, what else we got here? Ma oh, the magnets were five, 7,000. Sorry, not 5,000, 7,000. Yeah. Um, and then, but all my, oh, and then Kickstarter fees should end up to be around $7,000. That's what Kickstarter takes out at 5%. Credit card fees, roughly estimating it, because I still haven't got the money yet. That's about 3% fee, so that should be about $4,000. Anyway, all said and done, I have not even talked about um taxes which are going to be a murder um but even before talking about taxes that gets us down mm -hmm. to uh, below eighty thousand dollars off a hundred thirty six thousand dollar kickstarter just from expenses so uh all of this to say is uh, am i in any way complaining not at all i this was a no. tremendously successful kickstarter i'm so happy about it and also keep in mind that this kickstarter uh produces books that will continue to sell for the next right. two to five years, right? So, and the margins are tremendous on those. So that's great. So, right, Brad, you want to jump in? Go ahead. Well, yeah, but and and we should just note for anybody that's thinking about their first Kickstarter, you're not uh, producing just enough books to fulfill the Kickstarter. You're using this to produce an entire print run with lots and lots of books left over so that you can now yes. put those books into distribution, put them yes. on Amazon, sell them through your own website, sell them at comic conventions. You're not just producing just enough. And I think that's a, a pitfall that some people fall into for their first Kickstarter. They just produce enough books for the Kickstarter. That's not what this is about. This is about funding an entire print run that you can use then to uh, uh, run your business for the rest of, of the year, right? Absolutely. And what's interesting is um, I am out of book one um, for Drive. Yeah. So I'm doing a reprint on that one. Uh, and so what's going to happen is Beth and I have done some math and we figured out that every Kickstarter, I will have to reprint two books back. So when oh. I when I kickstart act four, I'm going to have to reprint act two. Uh, and so what that is, so what that entailed yesterday, because we were doing the math on it. Have you ever seen that that uh, gif of Winona Ryder? at the Emmys, I think, looking confused and yeah. there's a bunch of math around her. Yeah. That's how I felt yesterday because uh, we were trying to forecast uh, two years of Shopify sales for Act 1 plus the Kickstarter campaign for Act 4, then yeah. another two and a half years of Shopify sales after that one goes, and then the Act 5 Kickstarter campaign and how many we would need to produce now so that we have enough so that we don't have to reprint a stupidly small amount six years from now. Does that make sense, Brad? Basically trying to, sense. trying to bite the bullet now with the print costs and just get it over with 
rather than yeah. having to do a third printing, which would be so painful if you're only going to produce oh. like 500 hard hardcover books or something, something stupid. So anyway, long story short, a lot of math on this one. Uh, but uh, yeah. I'm I'm incredibly grateful. But it's not I want people to know that it's not like I'm walking away with a, a like and keep in mind too that that also has to sort of last for two and a half years until the next book and right. it, it has to support the old the whole studio it's not like it's going right into my pocket i still have best salary right. still have all sorts of taxes to pay all that sort of stuff so kickstarter remember is just one leg under the table this is not like yeah. i'm immediately driving off in a solid gold car this is one leg under the table that supports the overall studio until we can get to the next kickstarter um, yeah. And so anyway, all of that is to said, Brad, any questions about that that I missed or anything oh, that I. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that, because uh, uh, I always like it when we're able to talk about money and uh, in real uh, in real dollars and cents. Yeah. Uh, and, and also it's important uh, as you're as you're handling your finances for the Kickstarter, if you do have money left over not to touch that money at, at all, if possible, until you've finished fulfilling the Kickstarter, because oh. there's always surprises that come up, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I try not to touch it until I've got my taxes paid on it, at least, uh, because there's always something that comes up that surprises you, right? We have, we there's a few, this is a whole, I just want to warn everyone, this is a hole you do not want to fall into. We have a few cartoonists yeah. that we know that um, have, the money probably is spent and they have yet it's a couple years on from their Kickstarter and they have not produced the thing yet. That is a hole that you cannot climb out of. If you allow yeah. yourself to, to, to do that, you've got to be smart on your budgeting and you've got to, if you can time your Kickstarter so that all your expenses fall into the same year that that income comes in, uh, yes. because you're going to need, you're going to need that uh, counterbalance as well. So mm -hmm. don't do what I did. I don't know what it was. Remember, Brad, about four or five years ago when I kickstarted and the Kickstarter ended like in December 15th and then all my expenses hit like January 15th. And I was yeah. like, why did I do it this way? What so a you, dummy. You were better for, yeah, you were better off for the following year, but you took a shellacking that first year because <laughs> yeah. before you're able to show those expenses, you can't claim them as deductions and you got to pay taxes on the lump sum instead of what you would have paid for. Yeah, the IRS comes waltzing in and goes, hello, yes, you seem to have a <laughs> yes. large sum. Oh, I yes. Kickstarter. Oh, I uh, see. So now listen, Dave, when you're running your Kickstarter, did you do what I did? Every time, every Kickstarter I've ever run, there's a site called KickTracks, uh, and they spell tracks with a Q. Uh, so it's T-R-A-Q-S dot com, KickTracks. And what they'll do is as soon as you post a Kickstarter, they have a projection based on that first day of where you're going to end up. And they've got they've got all kinds of different things, different lines that go up yep. that show amazing things for your kickstarter and i keep i i don't know about you i when i'm doing a kickstarter i go to kick tracks every day because even though i know that those projections are pure and utter bullshit Fantasy. they're so fun to look at it's so, yeah. it's like it's like sitting in front of a car dealership and watch people driving off with new cars when you were a kid and you'd say oh yeah that's my car that's my car it's the same thing with kick tracks it's like <laughs> oh yeah that's my projection <laughs> even though i know that i'll never drive that car and i'm like the little kid saying oh yeah look at that mustang that's me baby uh do you do that do you do you look at projections? i do this is actually worthwhile to talk about in detail but uh i do it's what's funny about it is kick track i don't know who designed this uh this uh the math behind it but the first three days of your kickstarter it's like okay be prepared to be a millionaire because you got seven million dollars coming your way and you're like kick track slow it down slow it down i'm not making it no no i've done the math you're gonna make this much it's gonna be an amazing kickstarter and you're like slow it down kick track slow it down and then the numbers get more and more realistic as the campaign goes on because it's always yeah. forecasting on rate of growth at the big at whatever the last 24 hours were so when you yeah. start out a kickstarter and you've got some ridiculous rate of growth it's like oh bang zoom you're about to make the gdp <laughs> of, of kenya you're gonna do so well on this kickstarter this is amazing uh anyway so uh, what i do brad and this is helpful to share with people i actually make my own yeah. chart and the chart is in yeah. uh, uh, is in illustrator and for patreon um, backers i will put it up 
uh, along with this comic lab. Uh, so you can see how I track it. Cause what I do is yeah. I, it's worthwhile to be able to say, Hey, when I posted here, I had a demonstrably better day than when I posted there. What was I doing right here versus what, what I did wrong there? Or how do I modify my communication? Um, basically yeah. it, it helps you in real time track what's working and, um, kick track has a few helpful things that Kickstarter does not have. It tells yeah. you how many people jumped in that day and it tells yeah. you the overall sum in, in real world uh, terms uh, that you got that day. However, if you're on the West Coast like me, it oddly enough ends on Pacific or East Coast time, not on West Coast time. So the numbers are always a little bit off from what Kickstarter yeah. gives you. Now, Kickstarter gives you a different set of numbers. All of this is to say, I want you to take the numbers from KickTrack, take the numbers from Kickstarter and make your own chart that you can track. And that way you can put in your own stretch goals. You can know what you're trying to get. You can watch your rate of growth. Uh, sometimes Beth and I would make decisions based on holding a ruler up to a screen because you could kind of sort of track and forecast rates of growth, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's really helpful to have a chart that you've made. And so I'll put that up for Patreon folks that are, that are on the show today. Now, we've had a couple of people that have done what I would call back of the envelope trending uh, trend numbers, a couple formulas for uh, charting your your projections for Kickstarter that uh, they're actually better uh, and a lot of times more accurate than kick tracks. Uh, Gary Tyrell, who runs the comics news site Fleen, had one that that you've uh, said was very helpful for you. Yeah, if you turk uh, um the uh, if you go I don't remember the numbers in them offhand because I don't I used them 27 days ago but uh basically both Gary and um Kel McDonald have two systems. I like Kel McDonald's system actually better. Kel's is really yeah. simple so I'll just tell you what it is. At the yeah. exact 72 hour mark of your Kickstarter, you take that number whatever it is, let's say it's $3 and you uh, multiply it by um it's it'll be what is it? Three times as large as whatever that number is. So if you're at 25,000, the forecast is that you'll be at 75,000. Oh, I guess that's not three times larger, is it? That's that's two times larger. <laughs> oh, math. Two liberal <laughs> arts majors talking about math. Oh, delightful. Well, wait hey, a minute. If you're at 25,000, it's going to be three times larger? It, no. The forecast is this. If you take your numbers at the exact 72-hour mark, uh, and you are at, let's say you're at 25,000. The forecast yeah. is that you will end up at 75,000, right? Because it's going to be three times as much as it was at 72 hours. Exactly. Uh, yes. And so, <laughs> or, or, <laughs> so, and, 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 and Dave, you're saying this was the simple one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know why my brain keeps wanting to say that's two times larger. But anyway, it's not um, seventy. Yeah, it's three times. Seventy-five thousand is three times. Of I know. I don't. Uh, Twenty-five thousand. I'm, I'm, I'm admitting my own foible. My brain wants to say it's two times. It's yeah. not right. But anyway, um, Gary. Also, if you want to search at Fleen.com for his projection method, I think he calls it the Mark II model. Um, yeah. Uh, and so uh, he's got another system. Neither one works well for the way I do it because I front load my Kickstarter so much with Patreon backers that it's not necessarily as helpful as Kel's system is when you're doing a natural Kickstarter. But uh -huh. uh, if if you go to, say, KickTrack and look at other people's Kickstarters and go from the 30-day point and sort of uh, do the math that, that Kel McDonald has us do – uh, you'll see that it's actually there's a there's a plus or minus margin there that's pretty accurate um, for most Kickstarters. So that's a helpful way to do it um, if you're trying to forecast where you're going to end up. Or you could listen to KickTrack's algorithm that's like, all right, put the down payment down on the rolls because holy crap, Azoli, you got seven hundred fifty thousand dollars coming, and you're like, all right, KickTrack, I get it. All right, Brad has uh -huh. gone silent, which means he's doing numbers. <laughs> well, I wanted to find that that uh, uh, that projection that uh, Gary Tyrell is talking about. I just want to see if I could find it since we were talking about it at uh, at the at the outset. But we'll, you know what? If I can find that later, I'll he, I'll add it, that no, to it's the post. It's really hard. He's buried it well well in the archives. You have to find an oblique reference to an oblique reference to an oblique reference, and you have to track back. <laughs> uh, and he he doesn't actually lay out the math every time he does it. He just refers Not to right. the title of it. But anyway, uh, so. Kells is a nice, simple way to do it to, for, to sort of forecast. But um, but yeah, as far as tracking those numbers, it's, it's really helpful just to stay on top of it as you're going through a, uh, a Kickstarter to have that own chart that you've created. And so by all yeah. means, crib what I will share on Patreon for your next Kickstarter campaign. 
uh, it's incredibly helpful to have, I think. Yeah, I think the big takeaway, if I had to list three big takeaways just from watching you do your Kickstarter, number one, use that Patreon uh, strategy to, uh, number one, give yourself a big boost out of the gate and Mm -hmm. to uh, game, for lack of a better word, the Kickstarter algorithm in that first 24 hours. It puts you right on their sites to say, hey, this is one we need to uh, keep an eye on. You were in the uh, Kickstarters to watch uh, you were one of the ones that they said they loved, uh, you know, that whole thing. Uh, and that I'm sure helped out as well. Do you have any numbers on, like, I always check this number, how many people came to you just from Kickstarter itself? Like how many people maybe didn't know about you at all, except they heard about it on Kickstarter. Yeah. I don't have them directly in front of me, but it was something like, uh, 25 to 30 people from different, um, uh sources within kickstarter some of it is project we love some of it is recommended you know whatever their algorithm is uh and all that's fine but um uh it is uh the one thing that just to just to build on your earlier point about um that it's nice to get algorithmically out ahead with a big launch the other thing that it does brad is it reduces anxiety to get far out of the gate quickly and yeah i don't want to oversell this because everyone has their own levels of anxiety i don't do great when i'm doing a kickstarter and it's 30 days of me sweating it out so that it's self-hatred from having to talk about myself this much in public you know on a nice cake of anxiety too so that you get a seven layer cake of self-loathing and anxiety and self-loathing and anxiety so for me jumping out of the gate is also beneficial because i can take anxiety off the table and then it's just (laughs) 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 self-loathing i did not see that coming Well, oh, so so yes, I would I would recommend of the three takeaways. Number one, use that uh, that Patreon opening that uh, we have both endorsed very strongly in the show in the past. Uh, number two, uh, I'd say the other thing that I would like to steal from you is the idea of fun stretch goals that are just there for no other reason than to a make it a little bit about fun and to b give you something different to talk about during that 30 day time period other than right. here it is by my book now right. you're talking about look at these lego creations that my readers have built uh, isn't this fun uh i think the fun stretch goal is something that i absolutely uh want to underline in everything that we talked about here And also number three, but actually there's so many, but a third one that is right at the top is I like that whole sheet that you use to keep track of all of the different places that you're going to do outreach, Mm -hmm. all of the social media, all of the uh, past Kickstarters. That's one for me, by the way, Dave, that one of my old Kickstarter backers one time had to write me an email saying, hey, I'm a Kickstarter backer from book. I'll just uh, make up numbers here. Book seven, you're on to book eight. How come I didn't hear about this? You're supposed to put an update for book seven so that I can back book eight. They actually took me to task. I'd forgotten all about it. I hadn't even thought about it. And you're saying it was one of the biggest drivers uh, in those middle uh, periods of your of your Kickstarter. I forgot all about it. Yeah. Mentioning on past Kickstarters was absolutely the that is sort of the gold standard for being able to yeah. translate uh, communication into someone taking action and backing a book uh, was communicating yeah. on Kickstarter. I will say this uh, to add on to Brad's sort of summary things. I have two things. One is uh, a Kickstarter is a job. It's a very specific job yeah. and you have to approach it not just like, oh, I'm making the book and that's the job. No, kickstarting is its own unique thing that you have to tackle. So tackle it with seriousness, which is why I put yeah. together that list of places to go out to communicate with, why I track it every day. Um, there's a lot of graphics, believe it or not, that you have to update fairly constantly if you're doing your job well. Yeah. Uh, that takes a lot of work. Um, and so that is a job. And then the other thing that I will mention, and maybe this can be the capstone on the discussion, is one of Brad's favorite things, and we cannot ever forget this, which is crowdfunding means first comes the crowd, then comes the funding. And so for people that are like, well, I'll kickstart it and then that will grow my audience. No, remember, you try to, I'm just going to throw out numbers. You try to build an audience of 10,000 so that you can effectively reach a thousand so that you can effectively activate a hundred to back you on a Kickstarter. So, and you try to grow Mm -hmm. those numbers so that you can make it work for you. But remember, as Brad always says, first comes the crowd, then comes the funding. You've got to build the audience up first before you do a successful Kickstarter. Yeah. 
And the third one I want to underline, uh, because it's always, uh, like I said, I, I think you're the gold standard on this. Take some time and do a good video. And, and by that, I mean, uh, you don't have to put $2,000 into a video like that, like, like Dave is doing. I can't, I, I, number one, I don't know the right people that I can reach out to right, for that, right. but, but here's what you can do. If you have a, a more limited, uh, means, uh, use that TikTok rule of get your, uh, viewers attention in the first 20 seconds. You've got to, how many, by the way, Dave, how many Kickstarter videos do you see that have this low, this slow opening, the, 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 the is slow fade from black to a logo. And it's like, boom, I'm done with this. Uh, something yeah. else, <laughs> you know, you've got to make that video. So you capture their attention in the first 20 seconds. Or do all of humanity a favor and don't start with your video with, oh, I didn't see you there because I will murder, oh, I will come through the screen God. and murder you. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yes. one of the reasons why that 2000 is so worthwhile because some people are like, he, some people are, I know are going to be reacting going, he spends 2000 on a video, which by the way, yeah. is not a lot of money for a video. But anyway, not for a um, video, it ain't. Not for a Hollywood quality level that I get yeah. out of that thing. So here's what it does though those videos pay for themselves in terms of, uh, un, uh, uh, sort of not purchased advertising in that I get so many cartoonists and friends and Hollywood friends who are not, um, they're not only not embarrassed to share that video, it actually makes them look good to share that video because they're saying, holy crap, this is a funny video or holy crap, I like, this guy's great. And as yeah. evidence, look at his video, you're gonna love this book. It makes, it greases the wheels for me for, to get other people to share the Kickstarter when they can share a really high quality video. And I, I've seen that time and again with these good videos of people like other cartoonists with much larger followings going, God damn it, David always makes great videos. Check this one out, you know? And then yeah. I've suddenly bought my way into 90,000 people on Twitter or 100,000 people yes. on Instagram or whatever it is. So anyway, it for me, it's a very, very worthwhile expense. And also they're fun to do. You know me, Brad, I am enough of a ham yeah. where it's fun to do yeah. those videos. Uh, it's, yeah. it's because it, as we've talked about before, it's the road not taken. There's a tiny part of me that would have done acting, except it's too much work, and I don't, I don't want to do in terms of being sociable. Uh, so Boy, this if is you my think, one. If you think self-loathing is bad as a cartoonist, wait till you see the self-loathing that actors deal oh with. Oh my I'm god, sure. that's a whole, that's a whole diatribe right there. Yeah. But anyway, um, uh, so yeah, and and so I think uh, we we had a pretty good summary on Kickstarters there. Other than to say, it, uh, it remember that it's work. Uh, plan, 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 crunch your numbers seven ways from Sunday before you start. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, uh, good luck with it because it's, it's, it's a really worthwhile and fun way to, uh, bring something new into the world. And, uh, both Brad and I wish you great, wish you well with it. Absolutely. And now that I, as always, as we always find out now that these 30 days are over and you've got your Kickstarter nice and funded. Now the real work begins oh. <laughs> getting that book out and getting it. Uh, no joke. No <laughs> joke. Oh my gosh. I'll be, yeah. I'll be heads down in Adobe InDesign for the next week. If you need me, Brad. <laughs> oh, that's the last thing just to put a capper on it. This book is for the most part done. Right. Uh, all the, oh, you, yeah. all the pages are done. You're not, you're not building new pages. You know, the, the oh, comics I see are what done. you're getting at. Don't kickstart before something's finished is what you're saying. Oh yeah. Like you, you might be putting these pages into an InDesign doc, but that's an afternoon, right? You've got all, all so, joking aside. Yes. The book, the book is the bulk of the bulk of the work. 99.9% of the bulk is done. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Don't ever kick, don't ever kickstart up book that isn't finished that you're like well i'm gonna finish this book sometime down the road and then i'm gonna get it out to you no you gotta have all those pages inked lettered if it's colored colored you gotta have that ready to roll because now the timer starts now the real work uh starts dave is gonna take an afternoon and put these things in indesign and get this thing ready for press uh, that's not an issue. <laughs> if he had pages that he had to pencil, ink, letter, and color, uh, that would be imagine. a problem. So make yeah, sure I, by the time you're ready to do that Kickstarter, that book is ready to go for all intents yes. and purposes. Big agree on that one. Big agree on that one, yeah. my friend. And speaking about ready to go, Dave, I'm ready to go. We've reached the end of another happy hour here on Comic Lab. And that means I get to say you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Your hosts have been my friend Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the creator of Evil Inc. at evil-comic.com. 
And my friend, the Kickstarter victorious Dave Kellett, co-director of the comics documentary Stripped and cartoonist of Sheldon at SheldonComics.com and Drive at DriveComic.com. And the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. And don't forget, today's sponsor for the show is the good folks over at Wacom at wacom.com, makers of the Wacom One. If you love Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode like this one. Dave, this is a five-star review that just came in from TechnoGal, who says, solid info for any creative person. Listen to this. I'm a graphic designer, not a cartoonist, and I find much of Dave and Brad's advice applicable to my field as well as theirs. Plus, all the laughter is a real mood lifter. I thoroughly enjoy listening to this podcast. Hey, that's fantastic. Thank you for that five-star yeah. review. I had not heard that one before. That's really nice. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's always nice, too, Brad, to hear it in from other fields, to hear a kind word from yeah. a, a related but different field. You know, that the fact that we're able to, to reach out and, and uh, help uh, someone in the graphic arts field is fantastic. That's really cool. Yeah. And on that note, I'm going to say Comic Lab is made possible by your support on Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. So we'll go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. We bought a fire pit for the back deck. So it's oh, like now that it's done, you can burn it down. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. It's, it's like a gas grill, except it, it, it's, it comes up through the top. It's a fire pit. And I threw away the lava rocks that they gave us. And I bought these blue crystalline rocks that are for uh, uh, gas fireplaces. Sure. So sure. it looks like a, like a wizard's brazier back there. I brought these a blue. Brazier. <laughs> it's going to be so great. Now your back deck is starting to look like a club in Hollywood. You need just music. You need the music back there. <laughs> yeah. like, no, because I figure that it, when it, in the fall, when uh, school starts up again, the kids are going to have their friends over playing D. D, they can go back there around the brazier with the blue flames and the and the it oh I'm telling you they're gonna be the coolest kids in town. What's the sweetest plum about this is how much you're enjoying saying brazier. You keep working it into sentences. So the boys will be back with the brazier, and I'll say, no, no, go outside to the brazier. You can no no, of course, feel free to use the brazier, boys. That's why it's there. That's why we got the brazier, so that you could use the brazier. Anyway, I own a brazier now, David. I have a brazier. I don't know if I've mentioned that. I'm now a brazier owner. That's what we call ourselves. There's a subreddit. We're it's called brazier owners. Uh it's a whole there's a whole thing.